Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. It's great to be with you for episode 44, How to Determine If You're a First Instinct Test Taker. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. Are you a first instinct test taker? Sometimes you're told, go with your gut, or pick whatever you initially thought was the best. Well, is this true? And if so, is it true for everyone? In this episode, we'll dive into the strategy of first instinct test taking. We'll identify what it is, examine why you would do it, and discuss how you can determine if you should use it. Now, before I dive into breaking down first instinct test taking, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. We're 44 episodes in. Uh, This is over 10 months of episodes that I have released. And I love looking at the stats on the listeners for this. And just appreciate all of you who have taken time to listen to these episodes. I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, I, I just love it as I'm traveling around all over the place. I'm continuously listening to episodes. Now, I, I gotta I gotta be honest now, I love horticulture. So I listen to gardening podcasts like crazy. And I've got some that are just my absolute favorites. And I mean, I binge listen to those things. And so I know how those podcast hosts, they end up kind of becoming part of my life. And I I, I feel like I know them so well. And I hope that through this, that you're getting to know me a little bit and my family. And I hope that it it, it gives you those positive feelings like, okay, uh, you know, here's another episode and I get to listen to that. And hopefully you feel like I do about some of those that I listen to, like Joe Lample's, uh, man, his, his, his gardening podcast. I just love that thing. And I can't wait for it to come out or Thomas Umstead Jr.'s new author media uh, uh, podcast. I mean, every time an episode comes out, I get so excited. And so you might be like that as well. And so for that, I just want to say thank you for listening. I've tried to update you occasionally on where we rank and such, but uh, man, we got a huge boom of listens after the episode with Clarity and Creed on why they were thankful for American schools. And obviously that got shared a bunch of times, but uh, the, we had broken the top 150 in the nation on Apple Podcasts for courses in the United States. And after that episode, and then the episode with Drew, the listenership has just grown. And we peaked at number 67 last week on Apple Podcast for courses in the United States. So thank you so much. What a great milestone that that was for us and this listenership. And so I was just so excited that we did that. And I hope that you're gaining a lot from these episodes. Now we are winding down this semester of classes. I've only got a, if you're listening to this live, if you're listening to it the morning it's released, I'll be at Kingfisher High School teaching in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. And then I've got one final one in Durant High School, far Southern Oklahoma. And that'll be it for this semester. And then January is way booked. I'm gonna be going all over the place in January. And uh, February is still not fully booked, but March has got some classes being added. And so I'm sure it'll fill up, but calendar.chadcargo.com for that. All right. So let me get right into this now about first instinct test taking. It's common for some people to believe or to teach in education circles that students will score highest if you go with your gut or you go with that first thing that you think the correct answer might be. You'll hear this strategy a lot when 
teachers or educators are talking about standardized tests. And it's become pretty common among educators to tell students that typically you score higher if you go with your gut or you go with your first instinct. And so I think what happens is, you know, you got students like me that maybe in high school, I wasn't as great at English. Now, English is my second best subject on the ACT. Now, my top score is science. I usually make a 36 in science. My next high would be English. I'm usually making 33, 34 in English. I'm still not, not there yet, but, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great section for me now. But now in high school, it wasn't that way. English was my lowest. And so one of the big problems that I had is I would go to put no change, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I would go to put no change, and because I lacked confidence in English, I would stare at it and think something's gotta be wrong with this one, and finally I'd stare at it long enough, I'd invent something wrong. And so I'd just change my answer from what my first instinct was, which was to put no change. Well, a lot of people will tell you, hey, don't do that. You should go with your first instinct. Now, other people will say, now, wait a minute. That's not true. You want to think about it. It's okay to switch. So to say that I'm a first instinct test taker means that I am one that typically would score higher if I did not change my answers. Okay. I'm one that you could say, hey, he's a better test taker when he goes with his gut. Or when I pick what I initially thought was best and I stick with that, that's usually when I would score highest. So that's what we would call a first instinct test taker. Now, why would you do that? Why would you want to be a first instinct test taker? Well, this answer is pretty obvious. I mean, what the belief is, is that students who think about it too much, you question yourself enough, then you change your answer and you change it to something that's wrong. So the belief is if you don't do that, if you go with your gut, you go with your first instinct, you're going to get more right. Okay. And so a lot of students who really struggle and think too much, then sometimes we just say, Hey, you got to go with your first instinct. Now there's a balance in this. And I want you to think this through a little bit because there's a balance in questioning your answer and saying, Hey, I think that's right. And I'm moving on. That's a little bit different concept than being a first instinct test taker. For example, a lot of students will do a math question on the ACT and get an answer, but then those students, they're like, well, I got to check it. And so they'll plug it back in and they'll rework it again to check it. That's not the concept of first instinct test taker. That's just someone who questions the result and says, hey, I'm going to work it again to make sure. That's not what I'm talking about in this episode. And you can't do that in math because if you work every question two or three times to make sure you got it right, you're never going to finish. I mean, at some point you got to go, yeah, that's good. I'm moving on. So let's go back then to this specific concept of should you go with your gut or should you study it? And then if you think maybe you want to change your answer, should you go ahead and change it? And so There's a lot of opinions on this, and I'm going to read a couple to you before I give you my opinion and the, or not necessarily my opinion, but I'm going to tell you how you can determine if you should do that. So I'm going to read you a couple articles uh, real quick, just to give you a reference. And I will put a link to these in the show notes. If you would like to read them for yourself, this was an article from the, uh, it's from psychology today. And it was, their title of their article is the first instinct fallacy 
Test takers, your gut response isn't always right when instincts hurt more than help. And so what they say here is a study has found that this strategy may actually hurt performance. That's because on average, test takers most often change answers from incorrect to correct, improving their test scores. It says the first instinct fallacy persists, says Justin Kruger, a psychologist at the University of Illinois at Urbana, and I don't know if I pronounced that right, Urbana-Champaign, because instances when we change an answer from right to wrong loom larger in memory and lead to frustrated, if only, self-recriminations. Changing an answer from wrong to right is not as memorable, creating the illusion that it happens less often. Now, I want to give you another one, and I'll read a little bit more of this one. This is from Education Week. And Education Week, their article, uh, this is by Coralie Adams. It was titled, Going with First Instinct, Not Always Best Test Strategy, Research Finds. So let me read just a few excerpts of this. Uh, They did a study, um, Educational Testing Service did a study on GRE students. And it showed that test takers increased their scores on average when changing answers on multiple choice questions on the GRE. It says, while this study focused on GRE test takers, ETS officials say the findings can apply to K-12 and undergraduate ACT and SAT college admissions tests. It says it is consistent with other research that has long documented benefits of revisiting answers. So then they discuss in here about how you shouldn't be afraid of doing that. Don't always stick with your first instinct. Here's some numbers that they give in their article. The ETS study analyzed the answers of 8,000 test takers from 37 countries and their response change patterns. It revealed that 71.7% of students improved their scores when going back and changing answers on the quantitative reasoning questions and 77.1% did better on the verbal reasoning questions when they altered their initial response. So they are saying that if you go with your gut and you leave your answer, you would score lower than if you thought about it. And if you wanted to change your answer, you did. They say that 71, roughly 72 and 77% of the time students did better. All right. And so then they go on to say the discovery busts the long held belief by many that a test takers first instinct is usually correct. They surveyed 2000 test takers about the perception and 59% believed the original answer would most likely be correct while 14% thought the change answer had a better chance of being right. It's interesting, that's 73%, so the other, what, 27%, uh, who knows? They must have been uh, undecided on that. But it shows that 59% uh, from this this survey of 2,000 test takers, 59% believe that they should go with their gut, that their first instinct was best, that they're a first instinct test taker. All right, so I I don't know what the numbers are. I have not surveyed this necessarily in my workshop, but um, you know, it's possible that a high percentage of listeners to this might believe, yeah, you should go with your gut. And I think that is commonly taught. So here's what we need to do. You've got to determine if you are indeed a first instinct test taker, or if you're one that should look to change your answers. And what's great about this, it's pretty easy to figure out. All right, so here's how you do it. 
you want to get an actual ACT test, okay? So get a past ACT that was given. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be an actual ACT. I mean, you could do this on other things, but I would get an actual ACT that was given. So check with the counseling office, get online, search for that, or maybe someone has ordered one. You can go back and listen to episode four. That's the episode where I went over all of the details about ordering your test, what to do with it, the whole works. But you should get one of the tests that was given, and here's how I would do it. I would take an English test. It's a 75-question test, 45 minutes. Here's the way I would do it. When you read a question, you look at the choices, whatever your gut tells you, whatever is your first instinct for the answer, you want to mark it. Then you take a moment and you revisit that and you look through it and you decide if you want to change your answer. Now, if you don't want to change your answer, you simply leave it marked as is. If you decide to change your answer, here's what you do. You're going to put an X through the one that you originally selected and you're going to mark your new answer. You must be consistent in this, okay? So if you believe your first gut, whatever your first gut tells you, you put that as the answer. But if you believe you should change it, you're gonna put an X through your initial answer, and then you're gonna mark your new answer. You're gonna do that for the entire English test. Now, after you finish, you're gonna go back and you're gonna check. You look at every time you put an X through an answer and you changed it. And you tally up how many times you got that right and how many times you got that wrong, okay? Now, if you find that you should have changed those, that when you changed it, you got it correct, you can tally up how many those were versus how many times you shouldn't have changed it. You should have stayed with your initial answer. And based on that, now you have scientific data for you to determine if you're a first instinct test taker. Now, obviously, the more questions you do, the better you're going to know. So if you if your sample size is only 75 questions, well, your result or your confidence in your result is going to be a little bit less than someone who might do this on 500 questions. And I'm not saying you have to do 500 questions to figure this out, but you can figure this out for you. And listen, it is not the same for everyone. And here's another thing. It may not be the same for you in English as it is math or as it is in reading or science. So if you really want to get technical with it, you could test this in multiple sections separately. And you might find, hey, in reading, I'm a little better as a first instinct test taker. Oh, but in English, I do better if I revisit my answer. Okay, and so again, the more questions you do, the better you're gonna get a feel for if you're a first instinct test taker or not. One thing I like to do is go ahead and do like one test strictly with this idea, hey, I'm testing to see if I'm a first instinct test taker. Then as I continue to practice, just when you're doing regular practice, maybe you're doing a worksheet or you know, you're, you're in my book and you're on the uh, midpoint formula you know, and you're, you're doing the exercises on that. Well, maybe when you do that, you go ahead and anytime you change your answer, you put an X on the one you initially picked and then you fill in the other one so you can continue to track that. What will happen is you'll build a larger sample size, you'll learn more about how you test, and you'll be able to determine what you should do. I would love it if you actually do these tests, if you let me know how it goes. And you can email me, chat at chadcargill.com, you can post on the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page, you can post 
I would love to hear some feedback on how first instinct test taking worked for you and how your data turned out. So if you would share that with me, that would be awesome. And I'd love to hear your feedback. You may have studies, or if you're a faculty member, you may have studies you've done on this or things that you've learned that you could share with me. That would be awesome. I would love to hear your feedback and maybe it'd be something that I could share on future episodes as well. So that's it. How do you determine if you're a first instinct test taker? You try it and you track it and you take data instead of saying, oh, well, I think I'm this. Well, what does the data show? And man, when you pull the data and you actually have the numbers, you can really speak with confidence about what you are and you don't have to worry about what these articles say and you can say, well, yeah, that's me or no, that's not me. I hope that really helps you. I think it's a great concept. I mean, when I've shared that with students, sometimes I'll have students that kind of ask about that or oh, I don't know what kind of testing. When I spill it out like that, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can figure that out. And so I hope you will do that. All right. Well, uh, th listen, I, we're into the Christmas season now, and uh, it's a great time for you to take some, not only time with your family and stuff like that, but you, you got a little bit of time away from school. You're going to be able to study a little bit. And so if you want to order one of the prep books for that, you can get right on my site, uh, chadcargill.com, and you can order the prep book right on there. We'll get that shipped to you. And uh, if you get it ordered quickly, we'll get it to you quickly. And that way uh, you'll have it before Christmas. The speed reading is still available on there and uh, on the site as well. And I'm going to be working on courses for the academy.chadcargill.com site. I'll be working on that over the break quite a bit. I hope to get some courses up uh, soon after the break. Now, each week I drop a new episode. Um, and I've done that now again for 44 straight weeks. So we're over 10 months in. And as I hope you do, I hope over this break, you take some time with your family. It's been a crazy year. Things are nuts right now. And you know what? I, I hope you will pause and just spend some time with your family. And as a result, I'm going to do the same. So there will not be a podcast episode for the next few weeks. So I'm dropping this one tomorrow and then, which will be Thursday, December 10th. And then I get my last workshop on December 11th. And then I am going to take my Christmas break and I will come back and give you a new episode in January. All right. So uh, I'll be away for the next few weeks and a great catalog of past episodes. If you're just really desperate for an episode, you can go back. I almost uh, uh, issued or released encore presentations of past episodes, but I think the catalog needs to get a little bigger before I start doing that. So I'm going to take Christmas break and kind of refresh and rejuvenate and spend time with the family. And then uh, I'm going to have a lot of great episodes coming for you starting back in January. I hope you all have a great Christmas. Um, I, I hope you spend some time again with the family. Read a little bit. A lot of great books out there that you can be reading. I've been reading quite a bit uh, as I've traveled and different things. So I'll just uh, quickly give you a few of the books that I've read. Um, you know, and, and I always just say to students, man, find something you love. I mean, something you're interested in and start reading about that. Don't, if you just try to read stuff that just, I don't know, some of the stuff that we're assigned. I mean, you need to read stuff that you enjoy, some about topics that you enjoy. And if you do that, I just think makes reading better. And don't try to read 30 minutes a day if you hate to read. Just start with a little bit. I mean, go five minutes. And if you do that, then it just works out for you. It's You're like, yeah, this isn't that bad. So I did a great book called The Great Raid on Cabana Tuan. Cabana Tuan. I think I said that right. Um, but uh, it was a, a prison camp in the Philippines. 
And um, General MacArthur, you know, he said, I'll be back. And uh, yeah, he, he returned. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great book about a raid on the prison camp there and just uh, in World War II. It, and I love war history books. So that was, uh, that was a great book that I finished. Um, I, I, did the, I told you I did The Secret Life of Groceries. It was awesome. Uh, then I read First Seals by Patrick K. O'Donnell. And it was about the first group of Navy Seals. And their role in World War II, it was awesome. And then uh, next I did a book called Tomato Land. And so that goes back to my horticulture. But uh, this is a book by Barry Estabrook. Uh, you know, I gave it three stars uh, out of five. And uh, I don't know, there's a lot of reasons why. I won't go into all those on here. But uh, in general, I liked it. Um, and there were some things about it I wasn't a super big fan. But I still love this. It. It's about um, tomato land. It's just literally about the tomato farmers in the United States and how we get tomatoes from the fast food places and all that. And it was fascinating. I was surprised at some of the... Uh, uh, facts and different things he brought up. But uh, anyway, so that was the next book that I did. And then um, I am uh, well over halfway. I'm almost done now with a great book called Boys Adrift. And Boys Adrift has been eye-opening, interesting. And some of them just thinking, man, I don't know. Um, but uh, anyway, it's making me think and uh, it definitely would you as well. So that's what I'm reading right now. I'm not sure exactly uh, what I'm going to be reading after the break. I'm I read a lot of uh, uh, online stuff, uh, which again, I'm, I know I'm weird, but um, I read a lot of uh, horticulture stuff and, and different things. But anyway, so that's what I'm reading right now. And uh, I hope you are reading as well. I'm hoping to do a couple episodes after the break on great books to read for high school students. And I've even got uh, a couple authors I'm hoping I can get on as guests. I have not asked them yet, but I am hoping they're going to come on and talk to you a little bit. So anyway, all right, well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, again, I appreciate all you guys listening. I really hope you have a great Christmas and uh, spend time with your family. And hopefully, uh, you're, you know, everyone's healthy and, and safe and uh, we can uh, turn the corner and have a great 2021. So until next year, uh, you guys take care and I will talk to you again soon.